Hey, this is LGBTQ&A. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and this is a special bonus podcast that we wanted to bring you in light of recent events. As you know, President Trump recently announced that he'd be reinstating the ban on transgender people serving in the military. Now, a few months ago, we talked to Shane Ortega. Shane is the first transgender person to serve openly in the military. And today we wanted to talk to him to check in to see how he's doing, as well as to get his reaction on things. So, Shane, are you there? Oh, hey, what's going on, boo? Hey, how are you doing? Well, tired, but good, but good. Yeah, that's understandable. Uh, so I want to just jump right into it. Uh, Donald Trump made the announcement on Twitter yesterday, but as of now, there's been no official change to policy or guidelines. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes. So Donald Trump had actually not even uh, referred to the Joint Chief of Staff when making this decision. He claimed that he had talked to officials and generals about it, and actually the entire Pentagon was blindsided. So just for like yeah. a, I'm a layperson, not referring to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, how big of a deal is that? That would be like the CEO of Microsoft having someone down, let's say, at mid-level supervisor, make an announcement on behalf of Microsoft, and he had no idea. That's wild. It's crazy wild. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> and then you know what? We we had you on for an episode a couple months ago. I did not know until talking to you that the military was the largest employer of trans people in the country. Yes. The So contrary to popular belief, the United States military is the most diverse employment institution in the entire country. That being we have people of multitudes of, of ethnic backgrounds. We have people of multitudes of income levels and education levels. Uh, male and female, and obviously transgender people, and then we have uh, the largest employment of LGBT people across a, uh, a, uh, a company, I guess you could say, or an organization. Wow, and there's roughly 15,000 trans people actively serving, is that right? Uh, that's an approximation, and unfortunately, as you know, uh, even working with the Trevor Project Lake, the uh, Trump climate has bred a lot of uh, more intense uh, and sort of traumatic atmosphere for people currently serving, so there's not everyone actually coming out board, and I believe that number is quite higher. Oh, wow. Uh, just to get a sense of the environment when you were in it, while you were serving and you were openly trans, did you encounter negativity or any harassment? I would say at the beginning of my transition, it was a little bit awkward, uh, but I would say that for the most part, my day-to-day -day interactions with my team members was excellent. My chain of command, uh, for the most part, was excellent. It was only towards the very end where the bureaucracy, or the government rather, started stepping in and sort of policing my gender and kind of forcing the issue of this political ban that it became a very uh, contentious or difficult serving. Wow, and why yeah. did it change towards the end? Uh, what changed towards the end was... Uh, there's that phrase, the nail that sticks out gets hammered. Well, in this particular case, uh, I was kind of that nail that was sticking out. Yes, for a good cause, but um, it does detract away from the daily operations to have to sort of deal with the bureaucracy and politics of be having your gender policed. And so that took a lot of strain on my chain of command. And I was speaking to higher up officials and things like that. And I think that that somewhat made my command team feel like I was attacking their power base. And when you were serving, you were pretty instrumental in hoping to get the original ban repealed, as well as don't ask, don't tell. And when we talked originally, we were celebrating that these things were achieved. Was that something that you ever thought would be undone? Um, I try not to be Machiavellian, but uh, I always try to play the chess game of 
of a few moves ahead. And I knew that in a Trump atmosphere with these sort of radical ideologies of the, the Republican Party, that that could be a real feasible possibility, as well as um, I had been sensing that this was a, some, a tactic that Donald Trump would take um, due to the health scare with the ban that we had a couple weeks ago or, or last week, rather. And then also, too, uh, you know, I keep tapped into the pulse of what's going on in the House and in the legislature. And that was something that I knew for a fact that Donald Trump was going to attempt. Oh, my God. It also kills me that, you know, a few months ago, they repealed the protections for transgender youth in schools, and they're just chipping at it away slowly and slowly. Yes. Um, I I feel that there's, there's a few angles that Donald Trump is using. He's using this as a distraction away from his uh, pending impeachment, but he's also using this uh, as a tactic to pin the American people against each other. And he's starting with these marginalized groups and sort of radicalizing uh, small towns folk who voted for him in his voter race. And he's trying to basically uh, enforce a tyrannical reign that's unconstitutional. And that's, that's really what's going on here. Yeah. And just sending the signal to the rest of the country that in, in Trump's words, transgender people are a burden. Right. Transgender people are a burden. And, uh, Transgender people are not a burden. I would say that, if anything, most military folk who are transgender are, are somewhat OCD and a bit of an overachiever. So if anything, they're, they're bringing their units up by taking being those, those workhorses. Um, but to say transgender people like the civilian population are a burden, they're not a burden. They just don't necessarily have the accessibility due to the ignorance of our, our social uh, society in here in our Western culture. And, and that's what saddens me the most. It's uh, this legislation isn't – I'm not just afraid for the service members because of what that means for their careers and their families. I'm afraid for the American public because uh, once we can attack such a professional institution as the military, that means that no one is ever going to live up to the standards of what it is in Donald Trump's eyes to be considered human and worthy of uh, the sanctions of like the ability to thrive or education or health care. No one will meet that measure, and that scares me. That's really scary. What has been the general reaction from active members that you've been hearing? Um, I equivocate that to a fire cell, but with people, where everyone is running for the doors, trying to get out of the building in a panic. Um, everyone that I have spoken to, I've tried to prepare them. You know, months ago, I spoke about this being a possibility. I've been talking to people today, all day, and yesterday about this being a possibility. And the largest fear they have is getting a bad conduct discharge, which means that they would not be able to get any sort of uh, gainful employment and that they would not have any access to veterans' benefits. Um, a lot of people would be crushed. There's people that are, you know, two years into their military career, and then there's people who are transgender who are 18 years into their military career. And that's incredibly frightening. Um, so because we don't have a yeah. precedence for kicking out trans people en masse like this, it would fall potentially under poor conduct? Yes. So when a, person, a service member is kicked out, quote unquote, kicked out of the military or a discharge, they are assigned a characterization, a.k.a. a quality of how they serve. In Donald Trump's eyes, if he sees that trans service members are a burden, and uh, given his track record and his sort of attitude, he would probably see that they did not serve honorably, which means that they would fall under two categories of bad conduct discharge. Uh, a bad conduct discharge is basically equivalent of being a convicted felon. It's very hard for a convicted felon to get a job. There's the other option where he says your, your service was meh or okay, and he gives them a general under honorable conditions discharge, which means like your service was eh, but you still don't get accessibility to all the VA benefits such as healthcare or education that you're entitled to from your service. 
So it's still a slap in the face. Wow. And and now you're yeah. retired. Uh, I know you were going to school at one point. Does this change any of your plans for the future? Well, my plans for the future were honestly to somehow work my my way into sort of an official capacity in the legislative branch and do something there to help shake this up and change change the tone of what's happening with uh with our legal system and our government. But uh, I'm not quite sure. I'm still trying to strategize how to attack this properly. Um, yeah, that's for Matt, Jeff. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Um, Don't be sorry. I, I, yeah, yeah. Until our government has an overhaul of, of 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 our you know like of our Congress and our legislators, until there's certain certain things like term uh, caps in place and like money caps in place to run for government at this particular time in our gov uh, in our uh, in our U.S. history is nearly impossible, just because it the accessibility to an office seat is so is so convoluted. There's so much corruption. There's so much money. It costs, you know, in order to run a campaign, it costs a U.S. senator $75,000 a month to maintain, to run a campaign for their next term. That's not feasible for the average American without big money involved, which means making agreements and, uh, and uh, concessions that may or may not agree with the, you know, your viewpoints morally for the American public. And that is what I'm conflicted with when it comes to running off for office. Gotcha. I know, and I know you're really busy, so we really appreciate you calling in and chatting with us. Oh, no worries, Jeff. I really appreciate you caring about this issue. It's it's deeply important, not just for LGBT people, but for everyone in our nation who is a human being. Um, this is more than just a progressive issue. It is a human rights issue. And um, when we can start nitpicking and discriminating against our service members, that means that other professions, such as doctors or even people that work at McDonald's, will soon be up on the table, too. And that's something that cannot happen. Shane, well, we really appreciate you talking to us. Thank you. And we will be following all the work you do. So looking forward to that. Uh, thank you so much, Jeff. I really appreciate it. You take care. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new episode. If you want to connect with us, I'm on Twitter at JeffMasters1. Shane's on Twitter at OnlyShaneOrtega. And we'll see you next week. Thanks. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.